Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Time to get back in the car and start the new road. Only 360 days until WrestleMania. Yeah, well, you get the idea with that. Listen, I hope you had a great WrestleMania weekend. Whatever you were doing, wherever you were, whether you're in America, whether you're here in the UK, whether or not you came to one of our Hooked on Wrestling parties, and I'm sure many, many of you did. That's what me and Paul were doing. Hello, Paul Benson, my co-host. How are you doing? Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm very well. It's been a bit crazy, hasn't it, the last couple of weeks with all that's been going on with the Mania parties, but I'm finally starting to see um, a bit a chink of daylight and uh, be able to uh, get get back to some sort of normalcy and routine. But it's been wonderful to see uh, how everyone had such a great time. Like like you say, the people that were at our events or the people who were in the stadium in Orlando themselves. It's been a hugely positive time, I think. It really has. Um, right from the start, I want to say thank you to everyone that came out for all of the Hooked On parties. Um, we're not going to go through all of them in uh, graphic detail because we don't need to uh, break down all eight of those. And indeed, me and Paul were just at the London one. But we were looking all the way along. Could we break our record for the most people at any of our parties? And then not long before the shows, we broke it. And we thought, oh, we might break it by a little bit. We broke it by like 500 people in the end. So many late tickets, walk-ups, people having a great time, calling their friends and getting them to the venue. Um, thank you so much for obliterating all of our previous records. Um, you know what it means, Paul? It means we've got to do it all again, mate. Yeah, I think it does, doesn't it? I think there might be some sort of mini uproar if you decide to call it call it a day now. But no, certainly no danger of that. You know, we've had a, such a good time organising it as we usually do. Um, roll on SummerSlam. Indeed. Well, we've got a little bit of business to attend to before that, which we will get to in the, in just a little second. Um, this podcast, we, me, just me and Paul today, no guests, but we're going to have a little chat about WrestleMania itself, the WWE version, as opposed to uh, our parties. But we will have a little chat about how they went uh, as well, I'm sure, scattered throughout the evening. Um, and we will also be telling you uh, a little bit more about our newest venture, which, as I uh, was, we talked about extensively on last week's podcast, is the first ever Something to Wrestle With Bruce Pritchard tour here in England. We are in Birmingham, Manchester and London, July the 16th, 17th and 18th. Bruce Pritchard, the star of the hit podcast. It legitimately is the biggest podcast in the wrestling world right now in terms of the interest, the, the uh, momentum it has, how groundbreaking it is for its concept. And we, Hooked on Wrestling, are bringing it over here. We will talk a little bit more about that um, in due course. Now, I want to just address something about our podcast, because when we first started this, 
Um, well, I basically have to address two lies, Paul. Is there two little white lies that we told our public? Um, one was that uh, when we first started this, we were probably going to do this on a semi-regular basis up until WrestleMania, and then chuck it in. Hmm, what happened there? We carried on all the way through, and we're back, and we're not going away, folks. We're going to be doing this weekly or roughly weekly all the way through to SummerSlam and maybe even beyond, because uh, we're having such a good time, and we've got so many um, guests that we want to get to and get around to talking to, and so. We've got just enough room to cram them all in as far as the rest of the year goes. Uh, and the other little white lie is that we told you we were going to be that podcast that's different and not just do the same old Raw and Smackdown reviews. Um, so today we're going to do a WrestleMania review. Um, but we're not going to do a conventional match-by-match, blow-by-blow account for five hours about the entire weekend. But me and Paul would like to uh, express some of our thoughts on what we uh, thought was, uh, I think, Paul, before we get into it too much, a, a broadly positive WWE WrestleMania weekend, would you say? I would say so. And obviously, you and I have, have talked the arse out of this off air. But essentially, WrestleMania is, is in itself a completely different beast to what it was even four or five years ago. And with that in mind, this was a brilliant example of what WrestleMania now is. It is. It was just, frankly, it blew my mind. You know, some of the some of the not necessarily the in-ring action but the presentation and the way everything was so larger than life even by WWE standards I just thought it was an ex you know let's I tell you what let's go full on cliche it was a fantastic it was the world's greatest thrill ride wasn't it the ultimate thrill ride I believe if we're doing the uh, doing the branding to its uh, nth degree um, this is quite a good point actually to tell you that uh, we have a, a new website which is at uh, hookedonevents.co.uk um, it is in its infancy it's embryonic indeed before it's even got to its infancy but um, we do have info up there um, about various projects that uh, that are ongoing and also we have a little blog on there that's only got a couple of entries thus far but we are going to be trying to populate that as time goes on uh, and if you are interested in contributing then you can uh, drop us a message on our Twitter or Facebook or on the email addresses that you can find via hookedonevents.co.uk and uh, we may ask uh, a few of you to um, help us populate. Now we're going to be um, quite choosy and we're not just going to put any, anything on there um, and please don't be offended if you ask and we, and we turn you down. It's only because we're going to keep it reasonably exclusive but we are certainly interested in, in hearing people's opinions for uh, even if it's just an idea of what you'd like us to uh, acknowledge and write about. We might, we might do a little bit of that. Anyway, the reason I bring it up at this point is because uh, on the blog on hookedonevents.co.uk um, I wrote my little WrestleMania review and it got uh, a bit of a mixed response in terms of some of the uh, tweets I had about it because um, essentially I said it was the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And I do not mean necessarily the five hours, five hours? The five hours or so that the, uh, the show was on air, although I did really, really love that. Um, I am talking about the whole package as Paul was just talking about. I felt that everything WWE would have wanted to achieve was achieved over that weekend on the presentation of the pay-per-view, on everything that went around it, on ticket sales, on goodwill. Um, I don't believe anyone got hurt. There was some fun returns. There was some great mainstream publicity. All of those things um, went absolutely swimmingly as far as Vince McMahon and his company are concerned. So if you want to pause this podcast, if you're in a, such a position to, that you want to pause it and go over and read that, I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much here on the podcast in terms of what I wrote in that article. Um, but it might be a fun way of spending two or three minutes before restarting us up again. 
Um, if not, if you're just listening on straight on through, though, you've got the gist of uh, of what I wrote there, and it's kind of carrying on for Paul's point was that there is so much more to WrestleMania now than it ever has been, including in the very recent past when I went to WrestleMania 25, Paul went last year to uh, WrestleMania 32, and things are constantly evolving. So what we'll do a little bit later on in the podcast is not talk about not only um, what we see for WrestleMania next year in terms of matches. We have one or two um, points that we would like to raise about how WrestleMania can evolve even further in the future, some of which I've seen written elsewhere. I think some people are having a similar sort of idea, but I think we've still got uh, a unique perspective or so, Paul, that we can get into later on. Now, before we do get into the meat of the WrestleMania chat, we do need to acknowledge fully what I was talking about before. That is the Bruce Pritchard Something to Wrestle With UK tour that is happening in July. Now, for those of you that only know us as the uh, the Hooked On Wrestling Parties brand, that is not going away. As we mentioned, we will still be doing that for SummerSlam, um, and we've been uh, away from the uh, the podcast for ten days or go, uh, ten days or so. Because, frankly, Paul, between me and you having real lives, real jobs, and uh, all the exertions of the WrestleMania parties, we just needed a little bit of a break to recharge our batteries, sir. Yeah, you're not kidding. Uh, for me, it was a weekend away with the long-suffering Mrs. B to uh, say thank you for putting up with me and my wrestling rated shenanigans for the last six or seven weeks um, and for that weekend I had frankly as little to do with wrestling as possible um, and it's done me the world of good raring to go now um, folks he's a liar and I'll tell you for why because he, <laughs> there's no way he was not having a little check to see how tickets were going for the, uh, for the new venture. There's no way he wasn't because he was, because he was texting me about it when he was uh, having his wrestling-free couple of days. Um, listen, we're not going into details on that sort of front, but uh, fair to say, Paul, we're very happy so far, aren't we, at the response. Um, tickets are going very, very nicely indeed thus far. Um, but here is what we would like to do, folks. We would encourage you to go to hookedonevents.co.uk. We would encourage you to go to our t- Facebook and our Twitter. And Paul is going to tell you what they are just now. Yep, uh, Facebook. We are on facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. And on the Twitter, you can find us at HO underscore Wrestling. You can indeed. And on all of those uh, media, you will find information uh, about the Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard tour um, to save us going into uh, inordinate detail about venues and prices and all that kind of thing. But in short, Birmingham July the 16th, Manchester July the 17th, London July the 18th, that is a Sunday and Monday, Tuesday, we have regular um, just turn up and watch the show tickets. We have two different bands of VIP tickets. Um, choose your favourite, choose what's appropriate for you, uh, but please be aware that the uh, VIP, particularly the top level VIP, uh, is what is going the fastest, uh, and there's only so much of it available, so if you want to um, go for the uh, full packages, which includes some uh, fun, unique stuff that you're not going to be able to get anywhere else, um, then do uh, do come in on it nice and quickly. Um, Paul, in terms of the uh, in terms of how this has come about, we talked about it last week, we indeed had Conrad Thompson from the Something to Wrestle With podcast uh, on the show last week um, how's it been from uh, from your perspective the first couple of weeks of a of a brand new thing was it a bit nerve wracking doing it so close to Wrestlemania it was like it was like Wrestlemania 17 all over again wasn't it with the invasion angle <laughs> starting up Shane buying WCW and it, that was a bit like us having the uh, an eye somewhere else but I, I think it was okay 
that's an absolutely fantastic analogy actually because in an ideal world we'd have done this when we had a nice free run of time we were nice and quiet and we had nothing else on instead we decided to do it when we were right in the midst of our busiest period of preparation of the year having said that if we hadn't have done it somebody else would have done um, it was an absolute no-brainer. Um, Bruce has been fantastic to work with. We had to get things done quickly because these guys are in demand. There's a number of people that wanted to bring them over, um, and rightly so because the podcast is flying at the moment. There's so many people that can't get it off their uh, podcast rotations. It's just literally all all they listen to, and that's been reflected in in the ticket sales so far. They've just it's come out the gate and exceeded all our expectations, really. Um, we you know with the VIP ticket, especially the top tier platinum VIPs, there's only a very, very limited amount of those per venue and they're they're selling. You know, then they're, they're not gonna go out of sale tomorrow or the next day or probably even next week, but they're gonna go out of sale very, very, very soon. There won't be many left available at, at say the end of this month. So if you want the full shebang, then get on to get on to buy your tickets now. Um, and then apart from that, you know, we we've obviously seen Bruce and Comrade talk about it on their latest podcast, um, which has seen the spike in interest that we expected, and it's just going to carry on as more and more people become aware of it, and we get close to the date, these venues are going to start filling up, and it's going to be they're going to be brilliant shows. I'm so excited. Here's an important point to make because we're here, we're here assuming that. Um, our podcast with its um, very modest amount of listeners and theirs with their humongous hundreds of thousands of listeners um, that there's nothing that we can teach you about their podcast but let's, let's be fair let's be fair not everyone in the world listens to all the same thing so there will be some of you sitting here going well we listen to the Hooked On podcast because um, we go to the Hooked On parties or because maybe once upon a blue moon you used to um, listen to my one-sided ring podcast or to Wrestlecast or even to uh, other podcasts that I've been affiliated with, like the Ministry of Slam or Total Wrestling Show. Um, if so, that's absolutely fantastic. I, I had someone mention the Slam to me last week at the uh, at the WrestleMania parties, which was something I did for um, Sports Tonight Live on the on YouTube and on Sports Tonight Live channel. So uh, it's always always fun to have um, uh, to those recollections. And it be, may be anyway that you don't listen um, to something to wrestle with. Um, if you're not going to go right back to the start and listen through, by the way, I recommend that you do, because not only is all the podcasts superb, but you get to learn some of the run-through um, running jokes or standing jokes that uh, the Bruce and Conrad do. Excuse me. But um, also, if you are going to start from right now and be really con- contemporaneous, they just did three hours this week. Um, three hours, all they did was Undertaker from, rest- uh, from 1993 to 1994 and a forensic sweep of Undertaker's career through those two years and it is one of the best podcasts they've done and I'm not just saying that because we've suddenly you know, got a relationship with them on a, on a business front but the reason that me and Paul are bringing um, Bruce uh, over here to the UK to do the podcast is because we are huge fans of the podcast um, and we want to bring that to a, a, a wider audience in terms of you know, public here in the UK we would not be doing it out of anything other than the fact that we are huge fans um, so in turn my opinion it was a brilliant brilliant episode this week really interesting stuff about The Undertaker obviously very newsworthy what with his um, seemingly his last match at Wrestlemania and then yes it was quite cool I will admit to hear them talking about us um, come the end of the podcast when they were talking about uh, coming over here to the UK so now you know it's all legit folks because that's the other thing I had because uh, every now and again you get these slightly dubious companies that bounce up and let's face it if you don't come to our pay-per-view parties maybe you don't know who hooked on wrestling are 
and it seems like another one of these dodgy, well, I'll believe it when I see it things. Well, now you've heard Bruce and Conrad talk about it themselves directly to our paraphernalia, and we are very, very, very excited to get going. I've already had a couple of tweets from people saying, when's Bruce coming on the podcast? Don't worry, he will. Um, we'll get him in at some point. Others want to know what the content's going to be. What are you going to do? What shows are you going to do? Don't worry. All to be revealed. Um, if you listened to this podcast last, last week, you heard that me and Conrad uh, are going to be in contact. We already have been. We're already coming up with some ideas, some ways to pin Bruce down on various different um, subjects as we get there. So do not worry, folks. This is going to be done uh, as forensically and as detailed as possible uh, to give you the best uh, encounter with uh, with Bruce Pritchard and some hear some fantastic stories and maybe 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 if you're uh, in the right kind of VIP position uh, to get him to do one of his famous impressions uh, and leave it out for you as a voicemail on your phone. Paul, what's your favourite Bruce Pritchard impression? Um, until today, I would have probably said Jim Cornette, but then listening to that Undertaker podcast, and I'm only about halfway through at the minute, the Paul Bearer absolutely slayed me. Slayed me. Very good warrior on this this in this one as well. Doing the uh, some of the advert reads. That's here's oh, the right. weirdest here's the weirdest thing, Paul. How many podcasts do you listen to? Not just wrestling, all sorts of things that have got ads in, and you get to the ads and you just you use the old um, fifteen second flicker on your iPhone or whatever it is just to skip through the adverts. Oh, here's so and so doing a read about this. People have actually, I have genuinely seen people ask us, you've probably seen this as well on the social media, ask yeah. us, are they going to do the adverts on the podcast when they come over here? And they don't mean, oh, are we going to have to sit through adverts? They mean, we want Bruce to do adverts, because it's entertaining <laughs> as hell when he does the adverts as Roddy Piper, or as the Ultimate Warrior, or as Paul Bearer, or as Jerry Jarrett. I would imagine there are thousands and thousands of wrestling fans who have no idea what Jerry Jarrett actually sounds like. But they oh. love Bruce's version of Jerry Jarrett with his uh, chicken salad recipe. And if you don't know count. what I'm talking about, folks, this is why you need to go back to the start on Bruce's pro podcast. Yeah, count me in on that. And it's just, it's just hilarious. And I, I want, I'm going to make sure, and we've, well, all of us have talked about that we want this to be as close an approximation to the podcast as possible because that's what people love. And it wouldn't be the podcast without those ad- adverts, would it? Well, you know. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's do some WrestleMania stuff, shall we, Paul? Um, let's talk first and foremost about the show. Um, we've done a little bit of talking around the um, the entertainment weekend, you know, in terms of all of the things that have been going on. We've talked about the costumes and the pyro and the entrances and all that kind of stuff. But let's draw right back to you know what it says on the uh, on the marquee. You know, wrestling. Um, which match? all night would you have said was your favourite it doesn't always mean best match it means the the one that you would take away from the evening and going that's what I enjoyed the most no quite. it is an important distinction because if you ask me what I thought was the best match I'd find it a fairly tricky question uh, to answer properly because there wasn't one standout absolute technical classic there's a bunch of very good matches but nothing that stood head and shoulders above everything else in terms of enjoyment there is something that standing, stood head and shoulders <laughs> above it for me. Um, Goldberg against Brock Lesnar. Oh, I didn't think you were going to say that. I didn't think you were going to say that. But carry, but, on the, carry on that thought. But, and I'll tell you probably, probably wouldn't have on the night. But in terms of the whole match package, from opening video to the end of the match, once I've watched it back again, that was just, to me, perfect pro wrestling. And that it wasn't, you know wrist lock hammer lock takedown five star classic and there's absolutely a place for that I'm not knocking it but I like to see 
different types of wrestling done well and if you're going to have two brutes smash into each other two goliaths two phenoms for want of a better word this was about as good an example as you could possibly ask for the whole atmosphere the entrances just had me grinning all the way through brock um charged into the match goldberg answered the questions about whether he could take a bump yes he can 10 german suplexes and an f5 that ain't bad for a 50 year old guy um and then they just you know the highlight the absolute highlight well two no two highlights for me the first one was after those first three germans and then the camera work was superb focusing on brock and goldberg just came out of absolutely nowhere into the spear that set the tone and then later on in the match when again goldberg goes to that spear and brock leapfrogs it can you i just remember looking at you when that came on um in the bar and we just gasped Mm -hmm. what a moment what a move sums brock lesnar up in one two second clip um just loved it that start to finish and there wasn't much of it between start and finish but just thought it was absolutely fantastic fun when you said there wasn't much of it from start to finish i would argue that there was about three months four months five months however however far back you go when did we first see goldberg just before survivor series was it about the beginning of november yeah, roughly wasn't it yeah so november december january february march i'd say five and a half months with you've had forget five and a half minutes on wrestlemania night i think almost throughout they have been on the money um okay some of the people haven't been all that happy about you know goldberg you know knocking off kevin owens, kevin owens like that but i think the Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar storyline and I am someone when I heard that Goldberg was coming back did a big old ugh never was a big WCW guy never been a big Goldberg guy never thought he did much on his first WWE stint for that year Um, why on earth would you bring back the guy for the video game slot I forget who it was that came up with that but I remember one of our pals talking about you know it's the video <laughs> games. Was it, it was just it was you, was it? Thank you. Okay, I do beg your pardon, but um, it was the video game slot. Now it's Sting and then Goldberg and then maybe it'd be Kurt. Obviously, we've seen Kurt in a different role now. But um, Goldberg may well have come in as the video guy, but he ended up being a WrestleMania guy. And I have got to take my hat off to him. I think he did a great job. Heyman was great. Brock Lesnar was great. I cannot fault this. Um, I think you're spot on with um, your assessment. And I also think there's a, there's a wider point to be made here, which is that we are so used to matches going a long time. And I was going to say people kicking out of their finishes. Of course, we did see lots of kicking out of finishes in this match. In fact, it was a match of finishes, basically. Suplexes and finishes. But um, Paul knows the world of MMA much better than I. I don't follow it at all. But what I do know is that in MMA, and indeed in boxing... Um, there are matches, there are moments where someone steps in quite early and gets one on the chin and it's over very quickly. Now that's one of the things that I dislike about it because why would you pay your money and you could end up with a 20 second main event? However, what I will admit is it gives you that intrigue that this could end at any point. And we are so used to in pro wrestling going, okay, the main event is, let me see, Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe, um they are not going to do a three-minute match. And if you do do a three-minute match, people will go, boo, wanted longer, boo, bullshit. And I can sort of understand that because we've been trained that main event matches go 20, 25 minutes and then we get to a denouement and then someone kicks out of a finisher and then there's a twist in it and then there's a finish. The beauty of Goldberg bashing up Lesnar once, then bashing him up and throwing him out of the rumble, then bashing up 
Owens after the Jericho distraction is that we genuinely didn't know if this match was going to last 30 seconds or not. I think there was always the shout that it probably wouldn't last half an hour. But right from the get-go, you went, when is this ending? And then when Lesnar took over early on and Goldberg hit him with a spear, all those weeks of me saying maybe Goldberg within three weeks on the trot, three matches on the trot, I turned to Paul in the bar and went, it's a third one. He's going to win. I thought my prophecy was true. And then Brock came back and I think Goldberg had a little flurry and then obviously there was that little leapfrog thing. But... I spent five minutes not really knowing who was going to win. I always was... If you'd have given me even money the pair, I would have always bet on Brock Lesnar. But I, my little theory about Goldberg was always nagging away. So you didn't even have that, oh, it's so obvious thing. Well, at least I didn't. Um, so I can't fault it. I cannot fault that match whatsoever. Hey, listen, I don't want to see it again. I don't want to see it ever again. I don't want to see Goldberg ever again. Um, I want to see Brock do something different. Um, Agreed. And that's that's fine. But we can do this kind of thing every now and again and tell a story and have it be different and effective and just change things up. And do you know what? If you didn't like it, that's cool. I'm not telling you you're wrong. If you think I am wrong or Paul is wrong um, in terms of uh, its effectiveness, then, you know, that's sort of all right. You know, we can have a debate about that if you like. But I would say if you didn't enjoy it, there is a difference between enjoying it and thinking it's effective. There are lots of things in the world that I think are very effective, that you know, that get big ratings on television or that you know do something with the world. But I am not necessarily someone that enjoys them. Um, but this, in this particular case, I think if you didn't enjoy it, that's cool. But you have to say to people if they did enjoy it, fair play. I'll take a step back. So maybe, you know, watching the the Ring of Honor main event was a bigger thing for you this weekend. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you feel that there are matches at WrestleMania that ought to have been afforded a bit more time that weren't. That's also cool. But I don't think you should discount just how good and just how effective in its genre and for what it was attempting to be Brock versus Goldberg was. And we can have debates until the cows come home about part-timers and old guys. But absolutely, the people that I spoke to on the Monday that had been to the WrestleMania show with us, that I'd spoke to on social media, that I'd spoke to on Facebook, they were talking about Brock versus Goldberg first and foremost. What they were talking second most about was what I thought you were going to say. What do you think I thought you were going to say? <laughs> oh, mate. Um, was it the ladder match? I thought you were going to say the moment of the night was the Hardy Boys. Now, now that was the moment of the night. You know, you asked me what the best match of the night was. Or my no, I didn't. I asked you what your favourite match was, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. best moment of the night, the most spine-tingling moment of the night was that Hardy Boys return smug man alert um, enjoyed it that much more because I called it um, didn't take a genius to but I thought they set it up so perfectly I would um, say that Hooked to... On I heard Hooked On Wrestling team member uh, Paul Stone um, I heard Stoney say that the Hardys lost the tag belts the night before during the evening so I about at one o'clock I think I heard that the Hardys had lost their Ring of Honor belts but I still did not think, oh, that means they're going to be on WrestleMania because I've heard all that sort of thing before. Oh, they've lost last night, so they're free agents. They're definitely going to be at Mania, blah, blah, blah. So even when the New Day came out and said, we're going to add a fourth team in and some buzz around me, we go, oh, it's the Hardys, it's going to be the Hardys, it's going to be the Hardys. 
I still went, it isn't, you deluded idiots. It's going to be the New Day. Stop you know, projecting your fantasies on things. It's definitely going to be the, oh, holy shit, it's the Hardys. And it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it was a moment. Um, another one of our Hooked on Wrestling team, Chris Groves, um, had no inkling whatsoever the Hardys were going to be there. Uh, and he, I, the only way I can put this is, went mental. Um, and just started jumping up and down and shouting and screaming. And later on, he sort of he started to apologise for being a bit embarrassed about it, and then he basically owned it and went, "No, actually, I'm not. I'm not going to apologise." It was a great moment, and I said, "No, neither should you, mate," because it was part of the unique atmosphere of watching with people. And I want to draw this into a little bit of a um, a plug, but I'll, I'll hold it, hold back a little bit. If you're listening to this and you didn't come to the Hooked on Wrestling parties, that's cool. Circumstances, finances, whatever it may be. But if you've never been before, and the only reason you listen to this is to for me and Paul prattling on and the occasional guest, or maybe you've just joined us because of uh, um, you've heard about our association with Bruce. If so, welcome. Um, the beauty of these live shows is that you have these moments that you share with people. Um, when AJ Styles was number three in the Royal Rumble, there was a frisson and a buzz and then a realisation and then a pop and a chant and you were part of something. Now, it's not going to be like it is live. It can't be. Nothing can be unless you're there. But you probably watched it with a few mates, or you probably watched it staying up late in your bedroom, or you might have watched it the following evening when you got back from work or from school. You cannot have replicated what it felt like um, in that in that building when we saw AJ come out in the bar. And then the Hardys took it up a notch. I think one, another one of our teams, Stevie Cox, the uh, our DJ extraordinaire, I think it was Stevie that said that was like a winning goal in the cup final. It may have been Dean Ayas, actually. He was also on this podcast a little while ago. They said that was like watching England score the winning goal in the World Cup final. It was like when Beckham it scored really for England was. against Greece from that qualifier because it, was a, it wasn't just a, oh, that's amazing moment like you might get for a big move, but it was a, I'm so happy to see these guys. I'm happy to have been surprised. It was just all of those things wrapped in, plus a few um, you know, alcoholic adult beverages, um, to loosen some of the uh, the inhibitions, and that place went wild. I think Paul, you did a little video of it. It's a little bit dark, isn't it? It's quite hard to uh, see exactly it's... what happens, but you certainly get the vibe about it. That was exactly it. It's completely pitch black, really. But I, but anticipating that it was going to happen, I propped myself up on the stage and started getting my camera rolling. Um, and you captured captured a moment, and you're exactly right. It just felt like your team scoring the winning goal in the World Cup final you think walkabout that bar in London has been open for probably what 20 years think of all the sporting moments that scene over that time period you know that are going to elicit such a great reaction and I would I would be damned if anything has topped the reaction that we got for the Hardy Boys in there certainly the best ever single moment at a hooked on party the only thing that really rivals it is AJ um, at the Royal Rumble and Daniel Bryan winning the world title but to me they don't even touch it um, simply because of the surprise factor it was just nuts I'm getting sort of hairs on the back of my hands standing up on end just thinking about it actually it's, it was for me the distillation of why we do these things it was amazing loved it it was a very cool moment and, I, and listen I say this is someone that's I was going to say I'm not much of a Hardy Boys fan that's not true I think they're both very talented lads um, they're both good wrestlers. They both have their um, appeal for different demographics and different genres. Um, I, I cannot stand the, the, the Hardys deletion stuff. We've had me and Paul have had this conversation off air. I'm not sure how much we've done on air, but um, I don't like it. It's not wrestling. 
Um, it's just it's, it's silly sci-fi. Um, I won't deny that it's popular, and I'm going to contradict myself slightly on what I just said about people should, um, uh, you know, res respect the Goldberg and Brock thing. I actually think it was deeply harmful to Impact Wrestling um, in the long term, the Hardy stuff, because it basically meant everything else was a bit silly. And if you if you had to get into the Hardys universe, then you then watch Lashley versus Drew Galloway, then they had to work so much harder to try and convince you because you'd just seen some Hardys nonsense beforehand. However, here is what WWE are brilliant at, and I admit there's a bit of a sort of a legal issue, you know, perhaps you know working around in the background. But if they can take the very best bits of the broken Matt Hardy character, because it is a fun character, um, just the way he portrays it, and if they can work that in with Jeff Hardy, because I don't think you'll see much Brother Nero, by the way. I think WWE know how super popular Jeff Hardy was. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Hardy's run for a year, 18 months, before they try and push Jeff back as a single again. Because if they can if they can keep him on the straight and narrow, and they can keep him fit, there's still a big run in Jeff Hardy. There's still money on the table that they've not used before. Um, if they can keep them in the right frame of mind and in the right body shape... I think AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy has got big money drawing power somewhere down the line. Um, so I would I would don't think you'll see much Brother Nero, um, certainly not by name. Um, but I think if they can take the very best of the deletion stuff and and combine it with the old Team Extreme and put the WWE gloss on it, I think they're onto something. Um, I do admit that WWE have done a poor job with tag teams over the last few years. So let's see how they get on. But there is suddenly, especially with the um, the, uh, the, we're recording this on a Monday, by the way, and we're a few hours away from the uh, the roster shake-up or whatever uh, branding they're giving it this time. Um, if they were to push some tag teams around a little bit, and suddenly we've got a little division, um, which has got the Hardys and Cesaro and Sheamus and the Revival and American Alpha, um, then we could just have a, a fun little tag division going. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I, I think absolutely they've got the bare bones of a phenomenal division. Uh, well, two really. You know, if you look if you look to say that you need four great teams on each brand, what would you know? Not placing them on shows, but you could have New Day, Revival, American Alpha, Hardys. I know I'm naming a lot. You just named Sheamus and Cesaro, the club. You know, I'm up to seven there, and then you take your pick of um, a bunch of teams you could have in the eighth slot. Um, it, I, I, DIY if they come yeah. up um, on this shake-up. Usos, exactly. Um, I think you've got more than enough there to have two great divisions. Inherently, WWE doesn't really go for tag divisions being strong. Um, I know they've had their great moments in the past when the Hardys were there, but by and large, the default setting is that the tag team divisions are on the back burner. And I hope that's not the case now because they really can... Um, they have the bare bones and the tools to make some really good divisions. They've got fresh teams, nostalgia teams, teams that have been there a while that could do with a kick up the backside. Um, I love she Seamus and Cesaro. They're really right in my wheelhouse, those guys. Probably my favourite team at the moment. They're just a pair of big, strong, arse-kicking, smart-ass faces who will go in, act cool as hell, and then beat the hell out of their opponents. Um absolutely adore those guys and what they've become um, and for me yeah my favourite team on the roster including the Revival um, and American Alpha as much as I love those guys too so yeah tag team division in real good shape and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like you I'm no fan of the Hardys anymore um, I did like the broken stuff more than you 
but um, I I just see it being really downplayed in WWE and if they go to use the Hardys just simply as you know the same character they were 12 years ago or more then you just got another nostalgia act and that did not work for the Dudley boys this time last year or the year before did it so um, they really if they, if they want the Hardys anything more for them to be a short term Wrestlemania pop then I think they need to bring aspects of that deleted broken universe into into their characters but I'm dubious whether they will I think you'll get uh, old school Hardys with a little bit more of a, an eccentric mat. I think that's what you'll get. But, uh, I think that's, that's exactly that's my opinion. Um, you're mentioning other teams there. Uh, I think, here's my shout, I think the New Day are going to get split up. Do you now? Mm-hmm. I just think that it's one of those acts where I don't see where else they can go with them. And while they're still vaguely popular, I think they're losing their steam, but I still think they're vaguely popular... Um, I think you could go because I think I still think Vince will fancy that he can get something out of Big E, um, and I think they might do the Big E um, singles run now. They maybe will split off Woods and Kofi to be a team, but they might try and give Kofi another singles go. Not really sure what they do with Woods in between. Um, although I, I, they could even they could go 205 live with Woods, you know. And, do you know? and just have some you, fun with him as a wrestler because he's good you said something to me about two years ago that really struck me you said Xavier Woods has the potential to be the best bumping manager since Bobby Heenan mm-hmm. and I think you're absolutely right now I don't think they will split up the New Day just because we know that if some an act is selling merchandise by the bucket load like those guys are that WWE are loath to split them up um, but if that wasn't a consideration I think now is clearly the right time Um and I would, yeah, I would have, I would have some sort of split. Big E does have a singles run in him as a main eventer. All he lacked previously to to have that before was that massive personality that he, he we knew he had. New Day's brought it out, and I think they could go with that for a big run. Um, personally, I see that coming maybe later towards the end of this year. But you're you're absolutely right. Now now should be the time. Now's the time because you you split them from a different brand, so you don't have the big one turns on another. Um, no. You simply draft a couple to one brand and one to another. Like I said, I'd find a way of getting Xavier onto 205 Live, having some fun with him there. Um, Kofi on Raw, Biggie on SmackDown as a you know a credible contender to a secondary title, and then down the line you can find a way of trading something and getting them back together. When I'm talking about splitting them up, I'm talking about splitting them up in the way that One Direction have split up. Yes. Yeah. One Direction have a good little run and they're very very popular and famous and then the easy thing to do is go they're taking a break from music they're going to have a couple of years off basically bands now split up so that they can do a reunion tour and I suspect that the One Direction reunion tour is coming 2018 or something like that I imagine it's almost in the works now I imagine it's literally there are bands that are together now that have been worked out how we can split them up so how we can get them back together again and I think that New Day Splitting up now, it's a good way of exploring other options. See if Biggie or Kofi can have a bit of a stint, and if they can't, then you just put the new day back together again. And it'll be a, and even even if they do do well, if at some point you can just go back to new day, it's an easy enough thing to do. Um, and I think they did a, a fun little job of what they were doing, um, hosting WrestleMania. But there's only so many. They've done the long title reign, you can't do that again. Um, they've done the hosting WrestleMania, you can't do that again. There's only so many times you can just have New Day be a middling tag team, and they've just put the revival over them on the revival's first night in. I just think it's the time just to 
just in case it would move on. Um, we're not going to go mega into the um, the draft or the um, shake-up or whatever um, you want to call it, mainly because by the time you're listening to this, it's probably been done. So there's, there's very much not, not any point doing any mega, mega speculation on it. So um, that's, that's why, if you're wondering why we're not going to get to too much of that, then that's why. Um, we ought to probably, I suppose, go from the top and touch on some of the bigger matches at WrestleMania. So um, we've managed to talk for this long without talking about what is essentially the big talking point of the show, which is, did we just see The Undertaker's last match? Um, we're not going to break down the match in terms of its quality and if it was the right decision to put Reigns over and all that kind of thing. That's all been done to death. But Paul, is it is it for definite that Undertaker's had his last match? Aside from what we might read on the Pro Wrestling Torch or the Wrestling Observer or whatever your um, news site of choice is, um, do you think that's him done? Do you think there is a chance that at some point next WrestleMania, the WrestleMania after, the right kind of opponent comes along and they go, Mark, one more? <sighs> I really don't think so. And I really hope I'm right. Because as much as I love, and I really do love The Undertaker, The Undertaker has been the, the backbone of our WWE fandom. He's been the one constant that's been there since we started watching in 91 um, and is there to this present day. That said the guy is clearly clearly broken down now you know he used to be able to have that one match a year and and he it's just not there you know he could he, he he was pulling off moves even this time last year that he couldn't quite get there to this year there was no old school for instance um you know for whatever reason probably a health reason um it just didn't doesn't really feel like the undertaker of old anymore and for that reason i hope i hope that's it now the symbology obviously of him leaving all the uh, the paraphernalia in the ring was done to draw a line under it and to to retire in his own way you know you know the Undertaker's never going to be out on Raw doing a goodbye speech and rightly so um, that's just not his character not the way he does things but having left all that in the ring and then kissed his wife on the way out which is uh, that is the breaking of the character that we've never seen from the Undertaker even in a small subtle way um suggests to me that that he's done but then apparently he left his gloves in the ring last year as well uh and we didn't notice that um and it was his intention to retire last year but he was called back in i i would be surprised and, and kind of disappointed if if we see him again next year because to me that ending was just fantastically well done i don't mind there was a little tear roll down the cheek i don't mind admitting it i'm not some soppy geezer normally but that did get me probably the fact that it was five in the morning and i was emotionally and physically drained yeah. um, but it, it was a great ending to a fantastic career i hope the best career of all time there's a certain irony isn't there if you go back to you know original undertaker and actually, he's, su he's surprisingly young, The Undertaker, you know, when he first starts that character, and, you know, in the fact that yeah. he's sort of 25, 26 or so, um, which is quite young to be getting to the big leagues. He doesn't really look as if he's uh, that young. And you think about what his moves were. It was basically just him, you know, walking like a zombie and not doing all that much, choking, kicking, chokeslam, tombstone, body bag, good night. He could do with having that again, couldn't he? <laughs> so it, it got to it got to the Undertaker being into his early to mid forties before he started having by, barnstorming wrestling matches. Even the uh, the sort of the dead man gimmick of the late nineties in the Attitude Era before he came back as the Biker Taker, you know the um, you know the Ministry of Darkness sort of Undertaker era. He was never ever renowned for being a good wrestler. 
It was always the character. It was always the character that ruled all. It was really only when I think we talked about it in when we were doing the WrestleMania mixtape that when he wrestled Randy Orton, and it's the first time they really started talking up the streak. That's really the sort of the era where he started having good matches. Um, I think it's a long time. I mean, there was a few good matches. Obviously, his match with um, Triple H is a very good one. Um, at WrestleMania, there's the, uh, the, the the Jeff Hardy ladder stuff when uh, Taker was a heel with, with a short hair. So there, there's not no no good matches from that era, but the focus on Undertaker's matches at WrestleMania being brilliant are really quite late in his career. So it's a little bit unfortunate for him that you know he's had to have these matches with Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns and whoever else towards the end of his career. And you know some characters and some you know gimmicks wouldn't necessarily have called for. You know the excellent match that, that those have called for, but certainly I would say that Undertaker's last four matches at WrestleMania have been slightly subpar, and so you know with that, I think there's only so much, so often you can sort of go keep going back to the gimmick and um, you know and doing what they've done with it. So I agree with you. I think it's a perfect send-off. I do think that's him done. I think he'll he'll honour it. Um, you know we always talk about you know they all come back in the end, but you know Sean hasn't done, and I don't think Sean will now and. Stone Cold hasn't done, and there's obviously been some temptations for those two. So, if Undertaker, if, if it's true, he's having a hip replacement, and you know, like you said, the uh, the little breaking of character is almost the the sign. I think the only other time I can really remember him doing that since he went back to the Dead Man was uh, when he had that little appearance at the UFC show where he looked like he was going to be doing something with Brock, and you know, it took a couple of years later before that got done, and he had that little interview didn't he was, was it with Ariel Helwan he did the interview and uh, yeah that's that, right that was Mark Calloway doing an interview rather than The Undertaker so that was maybe Undertaker knowing he was in a legit world and he couldn't be you know dressed in the cloak and the hat and, and all the gimmickry there but um, that's the only other time well, it really jumps at my mind that I can remember him being like that you know what the uh, real indicator will be that he's done when we see him open a Twitter account <laughs> that's never happening <laughs> that, uh, ne- never happening. The under Twitter, no, uh, no never happening. I, I would agree. I would agree. I think the old. Uh, we might have the short grey hair back soon. I think he. Uh, he might. He might bin off the long hair, dye in the hair gimmick, so he can go back to being uh, an ordinary, an ordinary person. But um, listen, whatever happens, um, amazing career, great moment at WrestleMania, and I stand by what I said all the way along in the build up to this. That what they're going to do is have Roman Reigns turn up, beat Undertaker, and move on. Now, they did muddy the waters a little bit on Raw last week because all they had Roman do was drop the mic and say, my yard now. But I think that was... Which was stunning, stunningly good, by the way. Amazing television, wasn't it? Seeing that that booing going on for so long and him raising his mic and then booing again. Um, Him suggesting he got them in the palm of his hand. It was was something. Um, But I think... The man is heel. The man is heel. And I think, you know, they know that. And the fans know that. I don't know what more needs to be done short of him going out and beating up Enzo and Cass. And I just don't think that's the way they do things nowadays. I know Triple H came out and said it and got ridiculed for it, but I fully agree. The guy's a heel. Like, there's no, you know, with Cena, there was always that split, wasn't there? There was always that, you know. Yeah, but to me, it's now affectionate. The booing is now affectionate. But when it was real, they still had that core audience of kids that still rallied around Cena and you still got the the, the genuine dueling chance with Reigns it's across the board there's no child fan base there every man woman and child in that arena is booing him out of the building um, what more what more do you need to do to define the guys a heel three things 
one not answering directly here. Three three points to make. One, I think the mic drop, my yard now walk out was their way of just binning that night off. I think you'll get back to normal. Um, you know, the big dog Roman Reigns this Monday being exactly like he's been before. I don't think they'll change his character. I think he'll be the continual um, push of the baby face. Um, the second point is that that crowd um, on that Monday is my favourite Raw after Mania crowd ever. I only had one problem with them was the bloody beach balls during Neville's match, which was highly disrespectful. But other than that, Here's the thing. Do you know what they did at the start of the show? When they got Graves and Michael Cole and all of those going, this is the kind of crowd that they, they boo people that they normally cheer and they cheer people they normally boo. Bullshit. On that night, they did what every crowd does every week. They just they just turned it up. They had a go at Goldberg, admittedly, and they cheered Lesnar, but people cheer Lesnar. They booed, they booed um, Reigns, but then everyone boos Reigns. It was just amplified. They cheered for the Hardys. They cheered who they cheer and they boo who they boo. There was almost nothing different this week. Was there? Would you agree with that? Yeah, fully. I think it was a, a really, really fun atmosphere because those crowds frustrate the hell out of me sometimes because it's nothing more than them getting themselves over. And, and frankly, and I don't care who we offend with this, it's utterly, utterly, utterly pathetic. Um, and I just think that the guys in at Raw this time got it and they were having fun. Yeah, you could you could say that they were given cues to cheer for the right people because the WWE were by and large pushing the right people. Um, but I think, yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm not the necessarily saying atmosphere. they were. I'm not saying they were necessarily cheering for the right people. They cheered Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens is a heel that he's not supposed to be cheered. But the point is that Kevin Owens gets cheered every week. And it was like the, exactly. the, the people that they, the regular crowds would cheer or boo was what this crowd was doing. So I don't think they were doing anything different to the normal. No, but what, I, what I think, what I think you meant and what I certainly meant is that the, the the by and large, apart from the beach ball, the the massive disrespect just wasn't there. Because um, that's what it is, you know. When those guys are going out there busting their ass and these guys are making silly chants to get themselves over it, it's, it's disrespect, pure and simple. And obviously, you defend the crowd's right to boo and cheer for who you want, but I don't defend them in going out and doing stupid, you know, Mexican waves and and, and the beach ball and things like that. I don't, I, think massive, I don't massively mind the wave. I think there's sometimes the wave is just a you're happy to be there and it's just doing something different I've seen, Mexi- I've seen Mexican waves at the O2 when the Raw's been there and whatever and it's a, it, it is kind of fun I think it's a bit of an overdone cliche to say that oh they only do that when they're bored and whatever. I don't think that's true sometimes it's just an I'm there let's do something different and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a European thing as well I think and there's a lot of more Europeans that um at that show oh man there was a chant what was there was there was a football chant during one of the matches and I can't for the life of me think of what it was and I remember thinking you can tell the Brits are in because it was a real sort of football chant. Uh, oh, it was. Oh, it was the um. What, what was what was the Seamus and Cesaro chant they were doing? I can't remember. It was, it was, yeah, I know it was the um. Du, 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 Seamus and Cesaro. Du, 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 <laughs> Seamus and Cesaro. That was straight out of the uh, of the EFL League Two that me and Paula used to. That was um a definite football chant by the Brits over there. That one. And that was there. Uh, I think it was fun that they caught on with it. Seamus, Cesaro well, um, anyway, certainly a big football fan. I don't know if, uh, I think Seamus is as well. So I think the, the two of them would have... Uh... Seamus is, yeah, he is. 
there's he's a big Liverpool Liverpool fan. guy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, the the one thing it reminded me of it reminded me in tone and the way they did things this time was was the, the NXT crowd for the mm-hmm. um, NXT London event, Good which point. in my mind is the best crowd at a WWE event of all time. Um, they they were they were inventive. They were funny. They 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 supported the performers. The the the, the chance obviously it was British um, humor and British culture coming through there. And uh, but it was but it was channeled the right way, and and this raw crowd reminded me of that. Yes, I would agree with that. I think that's a, a good um, good comparison point. I also think they got a good WrestleMania the night before, and I think had that been a terrible WrestleMania, I think the raw crowd might have been a little bit more. Because let's face it, you buy your ticket for Raw a long way out, and then you're on the then you're on the Monday night, you're already there, you've already got your ticket. You're going to react, and if you're pissed off because the night before the show wasn't very good, you might have more, you know, feeling to go right. Let's hijack. Let's go mad. Daniel Bryan didn't win, or whatever the case may be, and they can go. But I think, by and large, they were successful at keeping the crowd with them at WrestleMania. The only thing the crowd probably didn't like too much was the Roman Reigns thing, um, which they got to express in their way at the start. But at the same time, they got the Undertaker last match moment. Because let's face it, surely everyone that was at Raw was at WrestleMania. There can't be too many people that you know didn't go no. to Wrestlemania no, so no. those people have had the Hardys return and they've had the Undertaker last match uh, and they've had you know whatever else might have gone on that night I think they were a satisfied crowd they probably had a blinding weekend some of them would have gone to NXT um, they've had a ball you know in a, in a fun city so I'm told never been to Orlando but so I'm told it's fun lots to do and so this was probably the last night or two of their um, I'm, I'm saying this all because I haven't seen Smackdown so I'm not quite sure how much how much the Smackdown was there uh, uh, a similar sort of crowd but um, I think it was a satisfied lot having a good time and so sometimes it's the we love wrestling so we go to Wrestlemania but actually WWE piss us off so we can fight back this time it felt like they were on board that's a really good point actually that's a fantastic point um, I think the atmosphere um, in terms of what they felt WWE gave them was a complete 180 from, from last year where and rightly so they were protesting about the crap that they were served at Wrestlemania um, yeah damn, damn good point mate I think I think that's probably a lot in that let's go on to um, Seth Rollins versus Triple H um, a match which has I think divided opinion more than any other that I've seen in terms of I think some people struggle to get past their Triple H um, dislike um, was that, were you yawning then Yes. You just yawned because so I said Triple H and you yawned. Is that what happened? <laughs> it's like Pavlov's dog, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Well, you, called him, you called him a bitch the other week. What is it with you and Triple H? Um, I'm a big fan. I know you are, but something's going on with you. There's, there's some sort of Papa Shango who's taking over your brain and trying to <laughs> scupper us at building our fences. But um, anyway, some people don't like Triple H, and I think because of that, they were more down on this match. Um maybe it was a little long there was a lot of things that night where you just went man alive this is a, a long old show but I think in isolation I thought it was a tremendous brawl I thought it was a great story told and again I've heard oh well it was it was too one-sided Triple H just dominated blah 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 it's like Rollins was injured the storyline is that Rollins has one knee what do you want him to do dominate with you know you've got this legendary Triple H you want Seth Rollins to just dominate and beat him it doesn't work like that you know it was the absolute right thing to do was to have Triple H mercilessly what a nasty piece of work Triple H is beating down an injured man that was basically what you had one of the greatest of all time takes a man that is injured and batters him 
And that guy has got that much heart that he fights back, fights back, fights back, and beats Triple H with his own move. Now, you tell me that's not gorgeous booking. I think it was a bit too long. I think the match went about 25 minutes. It probably could have gone 18. There was, there was maybe... It hit home a little bit too much just how long Triple H was doing it. But generally speaking, I thought they got this really, really nicely. And others have suggested, oh, Seth, you know, he's meant to be injured, yet he kept coming up with all these big moves. Yes, he did, but then he sold them. If, if anything, I wasn't crazy that he worked on Monday night. That was um, possibly more annoyed me, that they could have mm. you know, found a way of pushing him into, the one, into that match being injured rather than just having him work on the Monday. But obviously he had to because that was the way how they were going to introduce Finn Balor but um, I, I love the match I thought that well, I'm going to go, we're going to call it a match I know it's a non-sanctioned whatever but I loved it I thought it was one of the best things they did all night I thought it was um, really really nicely done I thought it helped everyone all the characters I was very up on it are you uh, are you with me? Broadly yeah I really liked it I, I, I'm, I like what they did with the story going in Um I think they are, again you're right they booked it well well within the limitations of Rollins being injured storyline wise um, if I'm being nitpicky I would probably say an unsanctioned match probably needed something a little bit more akin to uh, Triple H against Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 92 whereas instead we got more of a traditional wrestling match um, if a little bit sort of brutal and I really, I did, I really liked it, um, but it was probably quite different to what I and others expected it would be going in. I think what they went for, I think the unsanctioned part of things, I think what they were going for was trying to, I'll credit them with this, I'm maybe giving them a bit more credit than I ought to, but I think what they were going for was, people are always picking up on our, this is WWE speaking, people are always picking up on our logic holes. You know, we have this kind of, like for example... I get very, very frustrated when you have um, no disqualification tag matches and yet during the match one partner stands on the ropes and holds the tag rope. And it's like, yep. if it's no DQ, just get in there and smash him with something. Don't stand there like a chump holding the tag rope. It's ludicrous. There's, and there are certain things like that where you just go, this does not make any sense. I think there was a suggestion of Triple H is the main man in the company. He's running the show. Seth Rollins is one of his, you know, key employees. Why would Triple H endanger his health, injure him, um, and keep him out of business so he can't help the business, and then be culpable, um, you know, for an injury, for putting someone in harm's way when they're injured? I think the story was meant to say Triple H is such a prick that he's going to force someone to wrestle injured. And he's even more of a prick that he's going to take the, the responsibility out of his hands if Seth Rollins is, is you know, fa not fatally, I don't mean that, but as you know, is severely hurt to the point where he can't wrestle anymore. I think that's what they were going for. They were trying to put basically heat on Triple H as a as a suit as opposed to the the heel wrestler. Um, and I think that's why they did the whole speech of him saying, you know, I, I, the reason I don't want to have these this match is because I'm fighting to not be that person that destroys and. I, I quite like that as a concept. I just don't think they went far enough with it. So, the unsanctioned an unsanctioned match is usually the company wiping their hands with something and saying you two are going to destroy each other so much we don't want to have anything to do with that. So I think you had your Jericho Michaels match, didn't you? Which was unsanctioned, I believe. They had an unsanctioned match. Was that the one where? Um, yeah, they did. Sean's, they did. Sean's, yeah. Sean's eye was wonky, and they basically the company said 
we can't let you wrestle with that eye. And so they go, okay, well, we'll make it unsanctioned then, so you wash your hands of it. So that's normally what they do. But, of course, you had someone that's a company man involved in it. So I think they were trying to put the heat on Triple H that way. And I think they were probably right to not go to too much garbage stuff because the pair of them can wrestle. So they didn't need to go with too many... Um, you know, tables and all sorts of mad stuff. They did a little bit. I thought they got that. I thought they got that balance right as well, personally speaking. Fair enough. Um, since we're doing the family, and a member of the family looking strong and holding their own in a bit of a, a scrap with someone that's more of a regular wrestler, flipping it over with a heel and a baby face, Shane versus AJ. We opened the show with it, which was uh, an interesting uh, move. How did you? Uh, how did you rate this one? Well, surprise they opened, but I have to be honest, I felt very vindicated with this match. I had been tooting the horn since the match was first mooted that we should give Shane a chance, and this had a chance to be something you really were, good you fun. To, you tooted and you mooted. I tooted <laughs> and I mooted. <laughs> Rookie mookie. And, uh, um, and, and I thought that the pair of... Obviously, credit mainly to AJ... Um, for pulling such an interesting, fun, compelling match out of him. But Shane held his own as well. For a guy who's into his late 40s, doing a shooting star press and some of the other stuff he did, I think he surpassed a lot of people's expectations. Not mine, because I knew that was in him. Um, and I think all the credit to AJ in the world for, for helping him along the way and bringing that out of him. I think he's hands down the best wrestler in the world at the moment so we have to expect that he could do that even for someone with Shane's sort of limited athleticism well not so limited based on the based on what we saw but um, yeah I think these guys really shine shone um, I think this was the best what we're going back to the best match versus favourite match here, I think it was the best match of the night um, and I think and I think hopefully it shut a lot of people up um, about their expectations of AJ uh, Shane at WrestleMania. Vince McMahon looks after people that look after Vince McMahon. Um, there is stories of I think people like Curtis Axel. I think was working with was who was he working with? Was he working with Brock? I think I think he generally works with anyone like Brock or The Rock or anyone like yeah, that. Who Rock, comes oh, back that's I think it was Rock. I think it was Rock for Cena. I think that's what it was. Was that he was Rock's yeah. partner with Cena? That's why you got your Paul Heyman guy, Curtis Axel push. It didn't work, but that's why you got the Paul Heyman thing because Curtis had done a turn um, there. Who worked with Mayweather? Oh, I can't think of the name. Was, oh, it, was it Kenrick? Uh, can't who remember. was it? Someone was worked it? with Mayweather and they got a little bit of a push out the back of it. It was a thank you. And I'm not saying that's wrong, by the way. I'm saying there's some, some nice bits to this. And, you know, Shane back in the day, you know, worked a hell of a lot with Dr. Tom Pritchard when Shane was basically training. And Dr. Tom has always been looked after basically by the company, or for a long time anyway. Um, lots and lots of people. Even, even got to go to the Iron Sheik, who went to Vince and told Vince that he was asked to break Hulk Hogan's leg in 1984. Um, you know they've always looked after Sheiky baby. So um, Vince will, will tend to do you a good turn, um, and I think um, as much as people may be saying poor old AJ, um, and I'm not nearly as up on this match as you are. I, I enjoyed it. I really, I thought it was really, really fun. But short term, I thought it was fun. Long term, when you start thinking this is meant to be your main guy on SmackDown, and look at the matches he's just had with Cena, and basically what you were just telling John Cena has been the main man for 12 years. And the match that AJ just had with Shane, you're basically saying that Shane is as good as John Cena. And it's like, I don't really see the value in, in, in having Shane be that good. You can have him have those, 
you know, you know, I'm fighting for something matches. Like, I seem to remember in the part, was it, who was the match he had with Test? Was it, a, did, did they call it a lover or lever match? And lover, that's exactly, that yeah. was exactly what it was, yeah. And that was good, you know, he did really well with that. And as, you know, the one with Angle, he was kind of, pretty, you know, protecting his WCW brand or whatever. There's been some matches with Shane where you felt, felt he's protecting something. I didn't feel enough that he was protecting SmackDown here. I felt like just he got beaten up and so he asked for a match and I didn't think that the I didn't think it went in to enough places to justify it and not to justify him, you know, standing toe to toe for so long with AJ. However, it is politically okay for AJ Styles to have worked with Shane, looked after Shane. Um AJ will be just fine, everyone. AJ won't be working tag matches in the opening, you know, bout next year's WrestleMania. He's okay. He's got a lot of people he can work with. Um, so, I think yep. if, if AJ's your boy, then I think he just had a good WrestleMania and you, you're not to worry about him. Absolutely. It was, uh, by the way, it was Evan Bourne who worked with Floyd Mayweather. Okay, well, okay. that's not necessarily backed up my thoughts necessarily, but then he probably shouldn't have well, kept, no, kept on smoking what he was smoking. No, you're absolutely right. If you remember, he got a push. Do you remember? He was um, in the mix with, he was tagging with John Cena. He was up there with Randy Orton. It didn't last long, again, was probably because, like you say, he couldn't quite toe the line. But he, he, he definitely had a period where it looked like he was going to break out and they got behind him. Right, there you go. Okay, so the, the general point is there. So I, I think that um, um, if you do the right thing by the right people, it can often uh, can, uh, can serve you well. Um We've skimmed around this because um, I think it's going to be probably our biggest negative on the evening. But uh, what about Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt for for two reasons? I'll let you go terrible. wherever you want to go. Terrible for for which? Terrible, one? terrible, terrible for all reasons. I thought I thought from from conception through to the final bell, it was possibly the most embarrassing WrestleMania match I've ever seen um, in terms of what they wanted to do and what they wanted to achieve. Uh, you know, the, the, for, we've talked previously about how the storyline just didn't cut it because there was no heel, there was no baby face. Um, it was com- it was so utterly muddled that the, fa- the, crowd, the crowd didn't know who to get behind. The match was boring, um, wrestled at a snail's pace. Both guys can do significantly better than that. don't know if it's a lack of chemistry or what, but these guys were so much better together than against each other. Um, and finally, what the hell were those stupid projections of bloody maggots and whatever else that were crawling onto the mat I have Just worked it out embarrassing I have worked it out it's going to be the eventual baby face push for Bray Wyatt he is going to don an even bigger hat he is going to walk to the ring with a cane and he's going to sing his own theme music as he walks to the ring singing come with me and you'll be <laughs> in a world of pure imagination. It is Willy Wonka part two, everyone. There's a bit where they're on the little boat in the Willy Wonka film, and there's all these horrible images up on the side. And whatever. So I was waiting for a picture of Slugworth. That's what I was waiting for a picture of during that match, because that's the only other place they could have gone with it. Bray Wyatt, the new Willy Wonka, um, is my uh, slightly absurd theory. Okay, it's not really my oh, theory, the- but... It wouldn't, it wouldn't absolutely shock me if they were to make no, a break. No, actually, it wouldn't me, nor me. Willy Wonka, the face turn. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But no, I, I've got, unfortunately, you know, my general position is to be positive and, and to find the good in things, but I can't even pretend to find anything good in this. I thought it was dreadful. Agreed. I, it was uh, 
very very poor and, and I'm a, hey I'm an I'm a Randy Orton guy I'm someone that you know Orton has been you know pilloried all sorts of places in the wrestling press over the years and I've always stood by him I think he's a great wrestler and lots of people have really really benefited from working with Randy Orton but oh this was uh, this was not the one um what they can hopefully do is reset themselves and again with the uh I think I said last week before we even got to WrestleMania, I said if I'm if I'm anyone booking Bray Wyatt, he just needs to go away. And it's whether he comes back with the same character or not, just needs to go away, refresh, and come back at some point. Um, yeah. So that I stand by. Randy can just go back to being Randy. Um, and I think you maybe have one or two um, contenders to face Randy next. Um, it looks like, from what I've read, that they're going to go down a uh, uh, a Shinsuke Miz route. Um, otherwise, I'd have said do Randy Orton versus the Miz, because um, the Miz has been on fire. But um, I think one or two heels for Randy just now, uh, and then you can probably do a babyface match at something like a SummerSlam or or whatever with someone else you really, really want to push into a into a strong position. It depends who goes to SmackDown. Uh, in the coming draft I seem to recall I don't know if it was you I spoke to about it or someone else but uh, having a conversation with someone in the last couple of days about Seth Rollins could go to could go to Smackdown and be their edge now whether or yep. not whether or not it's as a heel or a baby face but I could see Seth Rollins Randy Orton um, where Rollins wins and takes the belt and has a big long Smackdown title run now I'm talking a year and I'm talking being the guy on SmackDown, and you can maybe go in back to that snivelling Rollins because I do like Rollins as a heel. So there's, I think there are ways you can take that. Um, I, I absolutely agree with that. I'd keep him as a face though, um, and I would, you know, I would flip Dean Ambrose over for the first feud on uh, SmackDown. You know, Seth Rollins, new attitude, baby face. Dean Ambrose going, don't you worry, I have not forgotten what you did to me, but then taking it too far. And, that, you know, Dean Ambrose is another guy, a bit like Bray, who desperately needs a reset. Um, and I think a heel turn against Seth would probably do the trick with that one. And another guy on SmackDown that's really come up on the rails um, that I, don't, I certainly didn't see it coming, I don't know what else did, but Luke Harper. Mm -hmm. Luke Harper has turned himself into a fantastic baby face in a matter of weeks and got in tremendous shape. Have you seen him recently with the yeah. black vest? Yeah, he, looks he has got into tremendous shape. Um, he's always been a very, very good worker and now he's proved to have that baby face spark to match and I could well see him being a fixture at the top of the car and I really hope he is he's something fresh and different. He is indeed. Um, I, I wouldn't say I didn't see it coming. I definitely have seen something in him for a little while whether or not he can spark out on his own um, and not have all the gimmickry around it I don't think he'd ever be a top guy because of that but um, I do think he's certainly got some ability and he's a great role player he's a great character um, I'm going to say character actor because I think um, sometimes you have to go to that sort of um, that sort of definition um, they are performers they are wrestlers, they are sports entertainers whatever but they have to have a certain amount of acting chops and um, I think Harper is a good character actor for getting right into um, what he needs. Um, let's just finish on uh, just a couple more, very very quickly. These are we'll brush over these. Um, Owens versus Jericho. Um, to me, very good. Needed what did what it needed to be. Um, it was just one of those shows where you probably could have headlined a secondary show with this, um, but at a WrestleMania with everything going on, it was fifth or sixth down the list. Um, 
is there a case sometimes, Paul, for WrestleMania doesn't necessarily have to be the place for all the feuds, that maybe they can hold some of these things back? Because as much as I understand you point to the sign, it's all about WrestleMania, I think this would have been a better blow-off next month or the month after. Um, I know they're going to do another match with it, but I'm saying that um, it feels like that the first time they really did the match, they could have given it a lot more air and other pay-per-view. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely an argument to be had for that. And I would say it's probably quite difficult to tell what matches would fall under that category beforehand. Um, and hindsight is a wonderful thing. I wouldn't have said that before the show. I thought uh, sorry, Jericho and Owens would stand out as well as anything on the show. Unfortunately, it was a WrestleMania of Razzmatazz and larger-than-life main eventers. And yeah, as good as Roll, as good, I keep calling him Rollins. As long as good as Jericho and Owens have been recently, they're not that. They are more true down, sort of, you know, not down the card. What, what, I'm, I'm struggling to find a word I'm looking for. More true, uh, non-flash, proper pro wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, and with that in mind, um, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe maybe a showcase at Backlash, a main event at Backlash would have been a better fit for them and this feud I wouldn't have called that beforehand but I, th- I think you're definitely making the right argument going out of the show definitely uh, I'm going to say payback and I don't think it's been backlash for about eight years well but, um, uh, actually actually, there is I'm not sure which way around it is but there is both a payback and a backlash oh is there one, I, draw, one smackdown I, yeah I do beg your pardon I take that back <laughs> but, uh, but I do like how people do that's the, that's the first time in a while though right I think so, yeah. Because I love how people will always. It actually shows what a good what a good brand they had, with the idea being it was something it was the backlash to WrestleMania. It actually meant something. Um, but it's been extreme rules for they had extreme rules there for many years, and they had payback there now. So it's it's not been backlash for bloody ages. But um, uh, it does show that it was quite a good brand. Um, Cena and Nikki Bella. We had the expected um, match. It was quite straightforward. It was all about the proposal at the end. I actually didn't think that was Cena's best work. Um, I thought the, pro- the proposal was a bit garbled. But um, that, I thought, was a match that we knew what was coming. We predicted it. But it was okay. It was fun. You smiled. Cool moment. Move on. Everyone happy. Agreed? Yeah, it was It was good fun. It got them boatloads of mainstream press. And it was a nice feel-good moment. Enjoyed it for what it was. But it, it's not, not really important in the grand scheme of things. This takes me back to what I said very early on in the podcast, which is the one of the reasons that this is the greatest WrestleMania of all time from the WWE's perspective. Um, you have the wrestling headlines. Everyone knows The Undertaker. I listened to BBC Radio 5 Live on Saturday morning on Fighting Talk, the excellent Fighting Talk show with Colin Murray, and they played The Undertaker's music and did a question based off of retirements because The Undertaker retired at WrestleMania. Wow. On 5 wow. Live on Saturday morning. Um, people were tweeting about it Paddy Power tweeted a lot about the wrestling anyway but they were all over it lots of people knew The Undertaker I got into work my boss who's a 55 year old man who knows nothing about wrestling when I saw him in the week for the first time being back in the office what about The Undertaker he said people know The Undertaker character um, it's got resonance so that hit that audience John Cena Nikki Bella Miz and Mrs. Mrs. Um, that is the the Total Divas E! Channel um, Kardashians um, sort of um, reality show level that got a big story because of the proposal Rob Gronkowski who I had never heard of until that evening um, but who is a, a New England Patriots correct Paul? The Gronk yep absolutely New, right New England Patriots American footballer 
getting involved in the yeah. pre-show, doing that kind of thing. There's some sports just headlines. You, just, sorry, sorry, Rob. Just to give you some context about who he is. It's not just. It's not like. Um, some random Man United reserves showing up. This is probably someone of the equivalent to, say, a Meza Ozil or an Alexis Sanchez showing up. Oh, okay. So, so he's a big star. So, yeah, yeah, very big deal. Okay, cool. Um, so there's him. There's your Sports Centre uh, thing in the States. So that, that gets him involved. Um, Brock Lesnar, the MMA guy, wins the title. Goldberg, the old WCW guy, appears at WrestleMania. Hardy's Attitude Era act. Um, underground stars in recent years there on the show all of these things come together all of them because they are very different but very important parts of the WWE audience and all of these stories are positive they're positive about um, Kurt Angle being involved again and being the GM and being in the Hall of Fame there's so many positive stories on that show um, from a publicity mainstream get the attention perspective because what they want from WrestleMania, as much as anything, is to to look good to mainstream, look good to Hollywood, be a massive razzmatazz event, and then get some people going. I used to love watching wrestling. I might watch on Monday, and then they hope that they get you. And I don't think they do quite enough to have the new people go. I really used to like the Hardys and Kurt Angle and Goldberg. I'll put Raw on. Holy shit, Finn Balor's amazing. You know that's what they're going for. I don't think they always nail it. Um, but you know that was I'm very surprised they didn't do the demon on Monday I know that they should be you know fairly sparing for why the demon comes out because the demon comes out when he needs to win a match but I still thought he might have done the demon on Monday just because it had been such a huge moment for him coming out so that's I'm, I'm not saying I'm angry about it because I understand the reasons I would rather than be more protective than just using it willy-nilly but I thought that was a demon night I really did did you notice one thing about WrestleMania that I didn't notice on the night, but has been pointed out to me afterwards? It's quite remarkable. There was no, not a single backstage, backstage yeah. segment. Yeah, I remember talking about it sort of late, late in the evening, saying that they've they didn't some for years they went to that sort of um, May Young, Fabulous Moolah, Mean Gene Oakland, Ron Simmons sort of silly moment, didn't they? Or Gold Dust. They normally had something like that, or your um, your. Hall of Famer bumping into someone or the cross brand yeah. thing. Um, no, I noticed. I did. I did notice that actually. Um, I think it was just a decision based upon time. I would imagine. Like, I wouldn't have thought it was a lot more than we've got a lot to cram in. Um, there's no point in going and doing these interviews and backstage skits. Um, we trust what's out there, and I think that's generally a positive. I think it's good that they've got enough faith in what's presented to the live audience. I think it's really interesting. I think if you, you might be right as a timing thing, I think it's more likely as a style thing. Um, and a conscious decision to keep the cameras in the arena like you would at a sporting event and if that's the case I'd be fascinated to know what they thought about um, the success of it yeah I mean it's um, there have been Wrestlemania's in the not too distant past where there's been rather too much um, you know glad handing and charity videos and you know look how um, benevolent we are and all this kind of thing and I think um they've stayed away from that which I think is good I think they went more for this is what we're about this is what a good show we can do um, you know the pyro looked great the entrances looked great the ring looked good the arena looked swell big crowd um, I just think from every perspective like that I just thought it was a huge huge success um, and like I say if anyone is going well this match wasn't so good and they didn't have a five star match and that's not my point it's absolutely not the four or five hours that you watched on the network it's the whole thing. It's the people that they reach. That um, 
in the nicest possible way you the regular viewer they're not massively bothered by you at Wrestlemania they're looking for other people to try and suck in and I think they'll feel that they did better at it this time than they have done for many many years which is why um, I'm saying that um, Paul we need to uh, to wrap up this uh, podcast we need to put a bow under everything um, but just finally we've, we've talked ourselves um, in private about the, the nature of the the Wrestlemania festival um, you know, I've likened it to um, to like the Edinburgh Festival. Um, there's been some chat about whether or not it can go to two days. Um, you know, at WrestleMania one and two on the Saturday and Sunday. We're going to keep some, keep back some of these topics and talk about it at later times with with guests. Um, but I think it was you that um, that made a very appropriate comparison to what WrestleMania is starting to develop into and, and what the, uh, the the new line of thinking could be. Yeah, I think the um, the Edinburgh analogy has been a very good one because for years now there's been a lot of things going on that's outside the main show but I can absolutely envisage in years to come that it's no longer Edinburgh but Glastonbury where the bubble the dome is spread across the whole of the weekend and it is all owned by WWE you know you've seen the you've seen their presence felt on indie cards with some of the British guys that they've used and had them access and the brands there you know you could quite conceivably see them taking ownership of, um, of some of these indie brands, these WrestleCons, um, and presenting something a lot more sort of where you buy a ticket to the WrestleMania weekend and you get to experience the whole thing WWE branded. I could see it in the next five years, absolutely. Well, there was certainly a sort of the start of that, wasn't there, this week in terms of you know seeing, as you said, that some of the British um, companies that went over there. So you had um, Progress and you had. Rev Pro and you know places like that that were going over and having an involvement, but they were they weren't independent. Well, some of the stuff that they did was independent, but they were doing those kind of matches at Access. And I think that's what you're yep. talking about, aren't you? You're saying about how they could almost license the whole city, um, but you could run the the various different. Now, see, I'm not. Have you? I don't. If you if you been to big fest, I've never been to a big festival, so uh, like a Glastonbury. Yeah. So it's not really my thing. But my understanding is that at Glastonbury you would have various different areas for different types of music so your mainstream stuff and your rap stuff and your indie stuff and and whatever so you could theoretically go to wrestlemania because you love pro wrestling but you stay away from the 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 main stage of wwe but you you know you take in all the other stuff but still wwe kind of coins it yeah pretty much and when you've got um when you have Glastonbury and you've got Coldplay as the final night headliners on the main stage Coldplay are obviously Wrestlemania massive huge not to everyone's taste but at Glastonbury you've got five six seven other stages where there's something going on at the same time as it you know and I could definitely definitely see a time where whilst Wrestlemania is going on in the big stadium you've got Ring of Honor presenting a show in the same town at the same time to 2,000 people um, and, and again you know, backed at least backed by WWE if not owned outright well I mean there's, there's rumours abounding are there not at the moment that uh, that could be something that ends up happening anyway I mean I think definitely I think companies are starting to work out that WWE are not the enemy I think that's the point is they are not the the big bad wolf that's coming along to try and ruin everything. They may have been once back in the day, you know, in the old uh, territory eras when Vince was kind of intent on killing a few things off. I think just now, I think they understand that they have, um, they almost have a better feeder system than they've ever tried to work on 
with different territories. You know, they've had the OVW and the Florida Championship Wrestling and that kind of thing. Well, actually, what's happening now is that the Indies are now the uh, the, the territory. Um, that's the territory, and now they've got the Performance Center to hone it. And now, when you look at what's going on, you know who they've got on the top of their roster. We've talked about it before, but you'd have never believed five years ago that basically. Did we have a did we have a main event of Raw on Monday night seriously that had three Ring of Honor World Champions and Prince Devitt? Did it be, I know it's insane. We we had insane. Tyler Black, Prince Devitt, Samoa Joe, and Kevin Steen in a Raw main event in 2017, while Shinsuke Nakamura from New Japan was deb- debuting on SmackDown, and while AJ Styles is running around doing stuff, and while all of these other guys that have been in various different indie promotions. Um, and you, you know your Dean Ambroses and whoever else might be doing so well in the company that they've, they've kind of cottoned on that their best feeder system is just the world and that once they bring them in hone them in NXT hone them in the performance centre you know then that's when they're on to something it's, it's interesting so I did for, for some reason I don't know what what put this in my head but today I looked at a list of all the TNA world champions since they started that belt um, since, since they went away from the NWA and had their own belt in what was it about 2004 and of all the champions in those 12-13 years since only six people who've held the belt have not gone on to wrestle for WWE in some form or fashion after holding that title wow or or appear for them should I say angle I'm counting angle um, as being under the umbrella six in 12 years it's incredible That's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a striking number and on another day I'd try and have a little game about going through these but uh, we are pressed for time <laughs> and another we, time we need to move on um, mate it's been good talking Wrestlemania with you I'm sure we've left some things uh, out there but that's good because we'll be going back to the uh, the normal uh, scheme of things from uh, next week so we're recording this on April the 10th um, as of the let's say roughly speaking the uh, April the 20th or so we're going to get back into our sort of normal rotation of uh, weekly podcasts, getting our guests back. Um, we will be doing some brand new stuff, some brand new features. Um, we toyed with doing WrestleMania mixtape for uh, 33 for this one, to just to add a little bit onto the end of it. But basically, if you're not going to have The Undertaker retiring, you're an idiot. So there was no point in having a, <laughs> a debate about it this week. But some more games and some more um, different guests. We're going to branch out into the world of mainstream a little and try and find some uh, people that you can... Uh, you'll have heard of for some other reason and we'll talk about to them while they're a wrestling fan we'll also have some of our uh, um, hopefully some of the people that we know that have been to Wrestlemania on in the coming weeks so we can have a little chat about how that's all gone and lots more besides um, just finally Paul is going to give you one 30 second rundown on where you can go for more information and to buy tickets for something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard in the UK in association with Hooked on Wrestling Yep. So um, you wanna, if you want those tickets to our events in London, Manchester and Birmingham in July, you can get from three places. You can go to wegottickets.com. You can go to ringsideworld.co.uk or you can go to our brand new website, um, hookedonevents.co.uk. And while you're there, you can check out our podcasts, our new blog and all the other bits and bobs we've got on there. Excellent. Very succinct. Um, See, no, now you don't have to remember eight different bloody cities and who the <laughs> hosts helps. are and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's much easier, isn't it? Um, yeah, it helps. Listen, thank you everyone um, that supported, once again, uh, the Hooked On Events 
pay-per-view shows for WrestleMania all over the place. They were such fun. Um, we will be announcing SummerSlam uh, details in due course. It's not that far away, Paul, is it? So we'll be uh, getting to that quite soon. But obviously we do have the uh, the Bruce shows on the horizon before that uh, come July. Um, but uh, over the next couple of months you will start to see some SummerSlam details as well. Um, so like Paul has said, hit us up on social media for all of those kind of things. Uh, if you have any questions about the uh, the Bruce shows, do feel free to drop us a, a tweet or an email or a Facebook message. We do get back to you very quickly and we can uh, uh, assuage any fears you may have or just put to rest any questions that may be uh, knocking around in your mind. But until then, um, enjoy tonight's or Monday night's Shake Up and uh, we will be back, not shook up, but suitably refreshed uh, and ready to embark on a spring and summer of Hooked On Podcast. So thank you very much for listening and for me and from Paul Benson. Just remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. <laughs>